Hi everyone, my name is Mare Verk and welcome to Life on the Farm. Welcome back everyone to another week at Life on the Farm. I am coming to you at the end of my first week of my emergency medicine rotation. This is my first elective, but the second of my critical care experiences. And when I tell y'all that I am having the time of my life, I don't even think I'm doing it justice. I wish I could take you all along with me on my day-to-day because no day is the same. Every single day is a whirlwind. You never know what to expect. You're constantly on your toes, thinking on your feet, and I couldn't ask for a better experience. I love how intense it is, how high acuity of patients that we end up seeing, and just how much critical thinking goes on. I took that seminar, as I mentioned, during my one-week break about what an emergency medicine pharmacist role is, and it's been so great to be able to live that in real time to see how big of a contribution we can make in this setting, as well as how much the other members of the team rely on us. And so I think it has been so eye-opening to be in this role and see how much of an impact we can make on a daily basis and just how much we need everyone to be working together and really relying on one another's strengths to make the best decisions for our patients. And so in today's episode, I'll be going over what my daily life looks like, as well as what the resuscitation room is, otherwise known as the recess room, and then uh, what our role is as a pharmacist. There's so many different ways that we can make interventions, and whether we be physically handling medications, which is its own ballgame, or whether it be verifying orders and making changes and communicating recommendations, Our reach is endless, and I think there's so many different ways in which emergency medicine can continue to grow, and I think that's something to look forward to in the future. And then, of course, I'll share some really interesting cases that I had the opportunity to see. Um, You just see so much, as you could possibly imagine, the emergency department, especially because I'm at a level one trauma center. So definitely look forward to that. But before we get into the entire episode, I'll go over the title as I always do. And it says Grey's Anatomy Who because honestly, I am living my best Grey's Anatomy dreams out here. I feel like every day I am, I don't know who, what character I relate to the most, but I'm like, I ran through the hospital at one point, which I'll talk about in the episode later on. But it's been such a whirlwind. I'm obsessed with the medical shows and Grey's Anatomy always is my tried and true, my number one. I cry like during every episode. I don't know what my deal is, but this has felt the most like it, which was not like my intention. It wasn't like something I was aiming for. But now that I've been there, I'm like, oh my God, I feel like I'm Meredith Grey running through like the halls and everything like that. But without further ado, let's get into this week so I can kind of explain that a little bit more. So first things first, let's get into what my day-to-day looks like. And so the number one thing that's been really great about this rotation is my attire. I get to wear scrubs, which is awesome because I love my fig scrubs. I mentioned them before, I know. They literally feel like PJs. They're so soft, so comfortable. They fit so, so well. I absolutely adore them. And now I get to wear them every day, which is so great. And not to say that I don't like my business casual. I actually really love business casual, but it's cool now to like already know what I'm going to wear because I only have two options, either black or gray scrubs. So that makes getting up and getting ready in the morning so much faster for myself. And then I'm at a new site for this rotation. And so I definitely have a little bit longer of a drive, but no big deal. I have some good music. I have podcasts I can check out. So that's really cool. I think the only downside is that once I'm done for the day, I have to make the drive back. And so I really can't complain if that's the worst part of my day. Not a big deal. Other part is that once I get to the hospital, I enter through the emergency department. And so we have a whole check-in process for COVID again. Um, It's really cool. It's all online. And then you just show them your phone and then you get a sticker and get your temperature taken and whatnot, as well as getting a mask. 
And then the emergency department pharmacists actually sit in the ED themselves, their office is in there, which is really great put my stuff down and whatnot, log in and kind of just get familiar with all of the patients on the ED track board, which makes it much easier to follow and kind of then go into the pharmacist queue, which is something I have become really familiar with just in the last week. And so the pharmacist queue is the verification queue. And this is where we can make a lot of our interventions. And so there I am able to Although I can't verify because I'm not a pharmacist, I can see what orders are put in and go through the patient's chart to see if that's the appropriate therapy or the appropriate dose or what have you. And I know I've mentioned this before, but dose is something that we don't really go too much into at in pharmacy school. And so it's really great getting this opportunity now to really just focus on making sure that I know what's going on and becoming really familiar with all of that. And again, not that I can verify, but being able to just go into the patient's chart and see whether that's what is indicated, um, if we need to make any adjustments, antibiotics, something that is super big in the emergency department, antibiotics, but I'll get into that in a little bit. And so being able to then look at that, reach out to the appropriate resident and whatnot, and be able to convey what recommendation or changes you want to make has been an integral part of my day-to-day life, basically, in the emergency room. At the same time, the institution I'm at is a huge learning center, and so there's so many learners at different levels, which is really different than the site I was at previously, where I was the only pharmacy student on my rotation, and then there were only two med students um, on their rotations. Here, there are medical students, medical residents, there are the attendings, there's pharmacists, there's pharmacy residents, there's pharmacy students, there's both PGY1s and PGY2s when I say pharmacy residents, so 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 many different levels and tiers of learners which has been really great just because you get to meet different people at different parts on their journey and so definitely looking forward to getting to know them a lot better over the course of the next couple of weeks and then throughout the day on the overhead they call either 911s 922s 933s and 944s and those are just in order of decreasing severity of the trauma and so 911s are the ones that we're most concerned for because the patient will most likely be intubated and that's where pharmacists have some of the greatest uh, ability to intervene on the situation. 922s tend to be a little less severe and so on and so forth. We attend all 911s and nine, to 933s and then 944s as needed. And so all of those take place in the resuscitation rooms, which I'll talk about a little bit later. The other part about this is that there's a lot of direct patient care, like literally face-to-face, as you can imagine, patients walking through and whatnot. So I do have a face shield, which is a new experience. And honestly, it's really great. It's like super clear. You can see right through it. It's like comfortable. It has a little piece of foam for your forehead. So it's not like anything too, too wild. I think the only thing is forgetting it every now and then once I leave the pharmacist's office. So I'm definitely getting used to making it my little buddy wherever I go. The other thing I do on a daily basis is I do two anticoagulation educations. So um, in this institution in general, they have a goal for trying to do a certain number of anticoagulation educations. And so whether a patient be on anoxaparin at home, uh, a Eloquist, Sorelto, anything like that, we just have to make sure that we reach out to two patients a day and counsel them on their medication, which I think is great just because they're very high risk, um, especially in elderly populations. Uh, we want them to be aware. And then at the same time, we also do two med recs a day. So whether that be in a different department, if your department doesn't really lend itself to that type of intervention. For us in the ED, it's a really great opportunity, especially if a patient's going to be admitted to help out that team before they get there. And it's definitely paid off. I can see it now. I've been reached out to after the fact and had questions and whatnot for clarification about certain patients that have been admitted to different departments in the 
hospital. And so it's been a really great way, again, to get to know other pharmacists in the different departments as well as just help out and be able to do something that pharmacists are quite good at and quite familiar with. And then I also wear a vocera. And so for those of you who aren't familiar, it's like a little... I wouldn't say it's a phone. It kind of looks like a capsule, honestly, that you wear. And it's an easy way for people to get in touch with you. And so you just log in with your name and then you're accessible and you can add yourself to different groups and whatnot. So I'm part of the emergency department pharmacist group, which is great. So I'm able to take questions, answer questions, what have you. So yeah, that's basically what the day to day looks like. You get called to different things. You go out and talk to different residents and doctors about um, different changes you want to make or convene with them on different therapies you may want to try and have conversations about that which I think is really awesome and so I'm really fortunate I have my main preceptor as well as the other pharmacists there are two PGY2 emergency medicine pharmacy residents as well as one PGY1 resident so it's really great just being surrounded by so many people that are really familiar with all of this and I've learned so so much just in this first week but now we will move on to what the recess room is like. So the recess room, otherwise known as the resuscitation room, there are three or four of them, and this is where patients are brought to immediately, whether they be brought in by ambulance or if they were sitting in the waiting room and suddenly become hypotensive or hypoxic. And so they get brought to this area and are evaluated immediately. And so this is, tends to be the more high-paced environment. We have the resident at the head of the bed, the attending there, the nurses, as well as respiratory therapists, pharmacy is there as well, of course. And so the biggest thing that we can intervene with in this situation and what we want to be ready for is in the case that we need need to intubate a patient. And so if someone has a GCS of eight or lower, we intubate. So GCS of eight, intubate. Um, of course, that's dependent on other things. But if we see on the banner, I guess I should talk about that. When they call one of those 911s to 944s on the overhead, there will be a little note that appears on the banner on our screen. And it'll give us a little bit of information about the patient that we can expect in the recess room. And so it'll say what type of code it is, a 911, 922, 933, 944 the age of the patient, their sex, as well as the situation, a very small blurb about the situation. So whether it be a vehicle crash, a subdural hematoma, a patient, a ground level fall, a GLF, um, it'll also give us uh, their preliminary vitals, so their heart rate, their blood pressure, their respiratory rate, as well as their oxygen status. And something that's also really helpful is that we do tend to see a lot of falls and whatnot. And so if possible, we like to know whether or not the patient's on blood thinners or on any antiplatelets, um, any, any anticoagulants. And that way we as the pharmacy can be ready, uh, the team can be ready to be considering, do we want to do reversal and everything? Again, any information that we can get is going to be helpful for us to figure out what our next steps are because we do want to be ready for anything. And so once it's called, we see it on the banner, we head out to that room. And once we're there, we meet everyone. There's, I don't know, I want to say like 10 to 15 people there, just depending on the situation. And then the patient gets rolled in. We get a synopsis from the uh, usually the EMTs who bring them in via the ambulance or whether it be a nurse pushing in the patient from the waiting room because they suddenly had a change in their status. They're put on the bed. They end up redressing them, taking their vitals, doing their preliminary, their primary survey, and then figuring out what they want to do from there. So in the case that we want to intubate a patient, it's called rapid sequence intubation. And so pharmacy is really crucial in getting the dosing down as well as preparing the medications themselves. We can prepare meds in any circumstances, not just intubation. So let's say a patient's feeling nauseous or they order uh, pressors, we can also pull that from the Pixis inside the room and have that ready and hung for them. 
which has been a learning experience on its own, just knowing where all the materials are, how to hang things up. And of course, just navigating the room because there are a lot of people doing a lot of different things and moving around. And you want to make sure that you're assertive with your presence and that you're making your moves with intention and you're not just dilly-dallying around. So we're able to pull things for that. But in, again, the case for intubation, you want to pull up your paralytic as well as your induction agent. And so that's its all home own topic discussion, RSI, which we were actually supposed to have during the first week, but things got very, very hectic. And so we never actually had it. So hopefully this week we talk about it a little bit more. Um, But the main gist of it is that we want to give an inducting agent. So something that will sedate the patient before we go ahead and give them a neuromuscular blocker. That way we can go ahead and intubate them safely without causing any sort of adverse events, reactions, or putting them at risk. And so pharmacy is the one who doses that, who pulls it up, who hands it to the nurse and everything like that. And so being able to do that this week was super cool just being a part of that, especially because it's in a high paced environment. It's very critical and the patient's very, very critical at that point if they need to be intubated. So that's probably the biggest thing. And that's what the recess room is for. We go in I would say, I'm trying to think what was the most. I feel like my during my week last week there's one day we saw like 10 to 15 944s. Um, 911s tend to be very rare. And by very rare, I mean like maybe one to two times a day, which is kind of a lot when you think about how severe of an injury that must be. Um, but yeah, so you can, we end up going in there about, I want to say like eight, eight to 10 times a day. It feels like that. I could be wrong. I feel like I might be over exaggerating, but I feel like eight to 10 times is about right. And we wear PPE, even though we don't touch the patient per se, but it's still, um, good to have on and everything like that. Um, also just because we see so many different people. So that's basically all of that. Of course, wearing the face mask, the face shield. So you got the whole nine yards going and honestly, it's just, it varies so, so much as far as like ETA now versus ETA in 10 minutes. And so things are just constantly moving and shaking, but I wouldn't have it any other way during this experience. And so the next thing I want to go into is what the role of an emergency medicine pharmacist is, at least from my point of view at, you know, the end of five days, kind of what I've taken away from the scenario and what I definitely think will be elaborated upon as I continue to move forward in this rotation. But I think the biggest thing is that the pharmacists in the emergency room are the drug experts. They literally know what the doses are, what the indications are. They're able to guide physicians in the right direction, have critical conversations with them and be able to provide provide a perspective that not only values patient safety, but also the efficacy of the drug in this scenario. And I think it's so, so great to see just how much of a role we can play in making sure that patients are taken care of and that their safety is looked out for and that we are able to provide them with the best care possible. And so this can look like a bunch of different things. So at one point we had a resident come up to the office and be like, We have a patient with vascular neuritis and I want to put them on a steroid taper. Do you think someone could let me know like what that's supposed to look like? So I looked it up, did the whole thing, typed out a SIG for him so that he could easily input it into the system and go from there. And so that was just one of the ways that we can go ahead and help. Another thing, like I mentioned, is that in these resuscitation situations, the trauma bays and whatnot, we can not only pull meds, but also prep them to literally just hand to the nurse and 
insert them into the different IV lines. So I think that's really great having this hands-on um, experience and ability to interact with the medications uh, in real time. We also do a lot of different counseling. And so something I got to do this past week was Narcan counseling, just because some patients go home with opioids for a certain period of time. We also tend to see different demographics of patients. And so we want them to be as safe as possible. And so it's great just being able to talk with them and funny enough, or I guess not funny, but pharmacy school totally prepares you for that. It was one of our OSCEs at one point. So that was really great. Just being able to know that I knew how to do that, didn't have to really brush up on anything. We were well prepared for situations like that. And I think one of the biggest things is antibiotics, like left and right antibiotics for everything, everyone, anything. Like I kid you not, I thought I was antibiotics girl in my IC rotation, but I have just taken things to new levels during this rotation already. And so anytime I go into the pharmacist queue to take a look at all of the orders put in, I feel like that's one of the easiest things to look into a patient's chart and then evaluate the therapy for it. Uh, whether it be the dose, the actual drug itself, knowing your spectrum of coverage is just so, so key. As you can imagine, you, if you don't know your spectrum of coverage, you don't know which drugs are going to cover which bugs. And I think that's the number one thing I've talked to so many different residents about. And I've talked to, and it's been honestly one of the best ways to get to know people because anytime I see something that's off I'll talk to my preceptor about it and then they'll be like yeah just go ahead and talk to them so now I've gotten really well acquainted with the different residents in the ED which has been great because there's no better way to get to know people early on than to go talk to them and have a conversation with them and then at the end be like of course like by the way I'm mayor I'm the pharmacy student if you ever see me around again I start off my conversation with that as well but you know just to round it out at the end because you're new they don't know who you are you can never be too sure and so, again, really great being able to do that. And then sometimes you have to do it on the phone, which leads to some certain situations that can be really interesting. Sometimes you have to play phone tap. It's just it's a whole thing. But you get through it and it makes you a better clinician, obviously, because you're able to give your recommendations. And in case you're wondering, they ask a lot of questions. And so you really have to be prepared and know your stuff because everyone wants to know why and how and all of this, all these different types of things. So really, really important to be on your game and know what your recommendation is and to have alternatives. I think that's the other thing, as well as understand that if someone comes back to you with another idea, why they're thinking what they're thinking and why what you may be thinking could be a better solution or why what they're saying could be a better alternative for the patient. So just being open-minded, but at the same time, understanding why you're recommending what you're recommending is super helpful. And that's basically what I've seen so far. Granted, it's been five days, like I said, so I'll definitely continue to update with what I see over the next couple of weeks. But it's really great just being able to help answer those questions on the spot, be able to provide those different doses to pull the medications themselves, to set them up, which again, being able to, I think, what are the new things I've gotten better with? So now I'm able to hang up pressers, so like norepi, epi, I've set those up. I put them in the pump, so setting the rate based on the weight and all those different things has been so, so cool, especially when like a lot of things are going on and like you know what you're doing. It is like synergy everywhere. I love it. Absolutely cannot describe the feeling. Like I said, if I could take you all with, with me, I totally would. I feel like this is something everyone should totally get to experience, unless you don't really do good with like the whole like blood and... Um, I don't really know. I guess blood in general would be the one thing to see then probably not probably not the place to be. But yeah, so far, absolutely so stoked about the whole thing. 
And the last thing I want to wrap up with before we finish this podcast for the week is some of the interesting cases that I get to see in the emergency room. As you can imagine, we see so many different patients for so many different things, and they can range from a cough or a cold all the way to a traumatic brain injury from a motor vehicle accident to All of these different types of crazy things happen all the time. I saw my first gunshot wound, which was wild. I also participated in my first code blue. So in the event that there is ever a code blue called anywhere on the first floor of this institution, the emergency pharmacist heads to it. So at one point, we literally were sprinting to the elevators on the other side of the hospital. So that was like my Grey's Anatomy moment in my head. I was running. First of all, haven't run in a very long time. Second of all, I kept up. So I was also very impressed. But again... So cool. I was actually impressed with like how well I was able to keep up, but it also inspired me to start running again. Did I run this weekend? No. Will I try again? I'll think about it. But the next thing we got to do was a peds code practice. So every Wednesday morning, I think they run a practice code in the pediatric pod. So there are I want to say, I think five, yeah, there are five pods, um, as well as like a rapid care section and all of that. So there's an Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, Delta, and Echo pods. And so in the Bravo pod, we have all of our peds patients. And so the residents run a practice code and I was there. The instructor, for some reason, introduced me as the pharmacist, which my pharmacist thought was just dandy because he was like, you're going to have to know the dose and everything, which I didn't know. And so when they called on me, I was like, let me let me find out and he just whispered the answers to me and I was like thank you so so much and then that was really great just because they're also learning and so seeing the way that they approach patients where they're unsure of what is going on with them is really awesome because I also don't know how you approach a patient where you don't know what's wrong with them I also got to see an electrocution as well as a lot of stroke codes called. So in the case that a patient is called for a stroke alert, it can be due to a actual stroke. It could be due to a neurodegenerative thing. Uh, Bell's palsy is something else that we saw this week. Um, yeah, it really just depends. We also see a lot of vehicle accidents, um, car to car, car to person, very wild. Um, again, different peed situations. So like broken elbow, uh, global eye rupture, uh, cough, really severe cough, all of these different types of things. And then nine one ones are the most severe. And so that tends to be for patients, like I've mentioned with the GCS of eight or lower, because that could be a concern for intubation. Um, whether a patient needs pressors, has pressor requirements, if they're in shock, all of these different things. Um, first, traumatic hand injury, so definitely a lot of blood with that one. Um, but yeah, all different things to take into account. Um, very, very interesting. I definitely think, especially being a level one trauma center, it has been just the greatest learning experience being able to see all of these different patients because a lot of times they get transferred in from other hospitals whether it be by air or by ambulance Um, this hospital is just very well equipped to handle these certain situations and I think in general just being in the ED like I mentioned with the codes not really knowing what the patient's diagnosis is and being able to evaluate them is so crucial But another thing is that in the emergency department, we don't have the full picture. And so there's very limited data to go off of. And so as a pharmacist, we do a lot of digging and investigating and taking a look at the patient's previous stays, whether they were hospitalized recently. We have very little information to go off of, which in one sense makes you have to think a lot more critically because you have to take into account that perhaps I don't have their most recent labs at the moment. It's a risk versus a benefit situation. And so it's definitely... A very different environment but I so so am just 
I love every moment of it and I think it's only going to get more interesting as I become more familiar with the way that things work. So I'll definitely be sure to keep you guys updated. And with that, I'll go ahead and wrap up this week's episode. I wanted to say thank you all so much again for taking the time to listen. I am very, very excited about this rotation. In particular, I've been excited about it since we had the opportunity to rank our electives. It was my number one choice at the beginning. It was my number one choice even when we had to make adjustments for COVID. And I'm so grateful that I was not only able to keep it in my schedule, but to have it so early on and back to back with my ICU rotation, I feel like I've really strengthened my foundation in critical care. And with my passion for it now, just because of my opportunities with my previous preceptors and institution, and even just in this past week, being a part of the team at this new hospital, I think that critical care is something I want to do in the long run. So very excited for what's to come over the next five weeks and to share it all with you all. And so again, thank you so, so much. I hope you and your loved ones are staying safe and healthy, that you're wearing a mask, and you remember to vote. Which another thing I just remembered is that a clinical pharmacist was featured at Walter Reed Hospital, which I thought was super cool. And so it's exciting just to see our profession out there. Um, But yeah, just thought I'd throw that in. Thank you all so much, and I'll talk to you all soon. Bye.